welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right, so a little bit of review, and you can listen to last week's message uh, on our podcast or website or whatever if you, if you want to. It'll be up probably today. But um, in review, what we looked at last week is we see this prophet Jonah, and his day is absolutely, you know, changed. He's He's a faithful guy. He, um, he's recorded as sharing some pretty major prophecies. In, um, you can read it in, Old, in the Old Testament with kings that, like major shifts in the nation of Israel, um, in Judah. And so it's, it's pretty radical how he was used by God. But he obviously, something had happened where he was kind of just, he wasn't really working on that relationship with God. And so God calls him to, um, to do something, uh, to go show compassion upon the city of Nineveh which were like the arch enemies of, of, of Israel. Like they wanted nothing to do with them. And that's why Jonah was upset. So he takes off like the, you know, Nineveh is like maybe 500 miles from where he's at. He decides to go 2,500 miles the other way, right? Ever done that? Yep. I'm, I'm a practitioner uh, of, of that. And, but in the midst of it, God puts him on this ship and a storm comes and he gives him an opportunity to change directions. And and in the midst of the storm, the guys are saying, hey, you know, whose God is mad? Because this storm's getting us. And, and Jonah says, well, my God that actually is the only real true God that made everything, he's the one that's upset, and I was supposed to do something. And so they, he says, well, how do we stop this thing? Well, throw me overboard. Okay? So that's where we step in. They throw him overboard in the midst of this, and the, st- the storm just calms. And then now we hop in today. And so really what we see is like when Jonah did that, he was surrendering. Even though his heart was off some, he was surrendered to God. Like, look, God's here. God means business. And I'm going to surrender. And surrender is a pretty, um, it's a pretty gnarly word if you think about it, right? Like when you think of surrender, it's, you know, you wave, you wave the, the, the white flag, you know, um, and and it's like, I'm going to absolutely, I'm giving over to you. You're now in charge. You've won. You've won me over. And I know for me personally, um, just numerous times um, in my relationship with God, um, having come to know him as a teenager and just trying to figure things out, and I, I know that that's the moment, is surrender. It's, it's when you can battle with God, you can wrestle with God, you can push against God, but the growth and the relationship and the closeness with him always follows that surrender. And, you, and here's the thing. God loves that process. Yes, it'd be great if we actually responded right away. But when we surrender, there's the real sense of I'm giving up the way I think, I'm giving up the way I do things so that I might trust you and know you. Anybody that's ever walked closely with God has surrendered in their lives. And, and if you think about it, it's true for you as too, that, that any way, anytime you've grown or walked with him it has been ultimately with surrender. So what we're going to look at first is we're going to look at how in God's hands is a good place to be. It absolutely is. He's good. Yes, he's mighty. Yes, he's the one that has always has been and made everything. And he's given us our very breath. You know, if he takes our breath, we, we cease to be physically here. He, he can do that. He's mighty. He's strong. 
He's powerful, but he's good. And so being in his hands is a good place to be. And so in verse 17 of chapter 1, we pick it up. And it says, but the Lord, so he's thrown over into the water, into these stormy seas. The storm calms right away. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So you see right there, right away, that the story now changes from what we thought it would. Because as soon as you see that God provided something... Right away you see, because when you see Jonah thrown over, you're like, oh, he's done. But no, God has a different plan. And I mean, I would rather have a different plan than that, right? Like, can you provide a yacht? Or can you provide like a, you know, a, a dinghy or, or, you know, or even a, a, you know, anything, right? Like a life vest, something. But you provided a whale. And that's how God works. Because God is, he is just passionately, intensely focused on our development into the person that he made us to be. And so death by drowning is is what Jonah thought, but he got something different. Now, a great fish would speak of a large shark or a whale in in this term. And so, um, you know, lots of people have debated this, and and it's useless because they say, well, could could somebody survive in a whale for three days, right? Um, And we we actually have some modern-day examples of that happening to people, um, there's a really well-documented one about 110 years ago uh, that it happened. And the guy, was, he was passed out like when they got to him. But his, his, he was in there about 36 hours. Um, but his buddies started skinning the whale um, and, and, and found him, and he, he lived. Uh, and so that was about 110 years ago. And then today you'll see some YouTube videos and stuff where whales come up and try to get the fish on top of the water. And, and there's actually a, a guy that was swimming scuba and stuff, and, and, uh, and he actually got kind of like half in the, you know, the whale's mouth. And so, so it can happen when you think about it. Um, and so you look at this. This is actually just a whale shark, okay? And you're kind of like, yeah, that fits, right? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, that's not even a big one, right? And so, but it's kind of, it's kind of a useless endeavor because here's why. Because anytime we sit there and we try to take Right, because we love science. I love science. Like I love the things you can learn and walk through and the truths that are there. And here's the thing. God is not afraid of science. But we like to take the scientific mind and then we put it up and we say, well, no, God doesn't fit in that. Exactly. That's right. God is made science and all the rules and things there. And the very fact that the things that he does doesn't fit into that should, say to, should have us say, wow. He's God, Right? He's big. And so somehow he provided this fish for Jonah to hang out in for three days, right? So um, it says Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights, okay? So it's very particular about that. Um, This was actually a saying from uh, the ancient pagans would say they thought that it took three days and three nights to get to the afterworld after you passed. But it was also used as a phrase to say, like, long enough to really be dead. Okay? Like just, yep, you're fully dead. Like three days and three nights, that was the term. You see, Jesus used that term about his own death. He says that I won't give you any sign except for the sign of Jonah. Right? He talks about that. And then he also talks about for the Son of Man will be, you know, it, you know he'll, he'll, he'll be in the grave for three days and three nights. It, now, Jesus wasn't in the grave in exact 72 hours. But he was in the grave like 
the portion of three days and three nights. And also he was communicating long enough to be fully dead. Okay, so it's a phrase that we see there. Um, but for Jonah, though, the bigger thing, because again, we're dealing with God economy here. We're not dealing with what you and I do. What's happening is, is God is getting Jonah alone. He's getting him alone so that he can deal with his stuff and do business with him. And I've been alone with God in, uh, in Death Valley, backpacking. Uh, that's where I got my call. Like, God called me to be a pastor, uh, which I didn't want to do. I never thought of doing, but I was alone for 24 hours fasting uh, on this solo. I was, uh, there was well, I mean, there was people like a mile away, but I mean, for the most part, as alone as I've ever been, Right? And it felt a little bit like Tom Hanks on Castaway. Started talking to hummingbirds and all kinds of stuff. And, but it was cool. And, and God dealt with me. God dealt with me. Um, a lot of times, you know, we get to that place. I know, um, I know when, like, I go on trips and I'm away from my family. God deals with me when I'm alone. Some of the stuff of normal life that we can kind of, like, push underneath the surface, when God gets alone, us alone, he deals with us. And he does it because he really, um, and, and not just like physically, but two, he'll, he'll take our attention away from things. He has no problem shifting us from a job or from a neighborhood or from a place or any socioeconomic status. He has no problem shifting us from those places or those things, moving us from what appears to be something solid to something that's not solid so that we can get to this place that in essence we are alone so that we listen to him. And we look at it like, hey, I'm not safe here. Um, if you've ever done a ropes course, like climb up on the pole and do that, and I, I'm not a big fan of heights. I mean, I'm good for them for you, uh, but, so I'm not against them. But um, we did this ropes course when Michelle and I were youth pastors, and you know, I'm supposed to be courageous, and I climb up the pole, and I'm like wrapping up this thing. And, and you're supposed to walk across, and they've got the rope on you and the harness, and they've got you and everything. But I'm, they're like, go ahead and go. I'm like, okay, I'm going. And I'm holding the, I'm holding the pole for, for like a, a good, I, it wasn't that long, maybe, it wasn't 20 minutes or anything. It was like maybe like 40. No, it was, but no, it was, it was just, it was just a cup. it was like a minute or two. Because I'm saying to myself, am I really safe here? It like, does, in the, the woman that was on it, it's not the problem that she was a woman, it was just she was half my size. And so, I'm sitting there like, does she know what she's doing? And when God shifts us from something that seems stable to something that doesn't seem stable, that's what we ask. Does he really know what he's doing? And so Jonah's asking that right now. And, and you know, you may be in a place, you know, of, of, you know, of, of, of that's kind of going on with you. But what's the big deal? Like, why does God do that stuff with us? Why does he do it with Jonah? Jonah's a prophet. He's faithful. He's been used by God greatly. He's probably kept up church attendance. He, um, he, he probably, you know, goes and does religious things, and he prays, and, and he does all the stuff uh, that, that a person would do if they know God. So, so what's the big deal that God feels like he's going to meddle in Jonah's life? Like, why is this this greater, bigger thing? And this is the big deal, is that by definition, Jonah is a receiver and a carrier of the life and the light and the love of God. And by definition, then he is to bring that life, 
light and love to people that need it. That's how God does it. The only way that it gets to other people is through other people. And so that's the big deal. Is that even though Jonah was doing all this religious stuff that you would do as a good Jew, like stellar. His heart had gotten hard towards God and towards people. And when God called him, go share light and love, Jonah's like, I'm good hanging out in the church. I'm good hanging out behind the walls. I'm good right where I'm at. I actually, I, I don't want to do that. So as it is with Jonah, and then some, you guys, and then some, because in the Old Testament, you had God would pour out his spirit and do things in people's lives in pockets, not as like just like the prophet Joel talked about the time we live in, where I'm going to pour out my spirit, so I'm going to share my life with all people. All people that call upon me and, and call upon Jesus, I'm going to share my life with them, right? We have bios life, which is like, hey, I want a new truck, right? Or I want to new this, or I want to new that. Like, just everybody kind of has bios life, or I want more of this stuff. And that's what we long for, right? All the marketing that comes at us is bios life. Get more, get more, get more, get more to, like, for this tent. But then there's zoe life, which is God's life. It's real life that the New Testament says we actually comes and moves in with us. Like, there's no holy place anymore except for the person that's the holy place. Each person is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God shares his life, his Zoe life, his lasting life, his quality of life with us and lives with us. It's a totally different time. So for us, like, what's the big deal? Like, why does, just like with Jonah, why does God do that? Why is God shaking things up? Why does God take us from places of stability into places of instability? Why does God do those things? Because he is relentless about you becoming the person that you were made to be. And also, too, again, you are the vehicle for his light, life, and love. That's what you are. And it's not just in the New Testament, but the Old Testament all the way through the New. It's people that were commissioned to be life dispensers to other people. Like, the mission of Jesus is to, is to set the oppressed free. He wants people that are, are, are imprisoned spiritually, physically, mentally, socially. He wants them to be set free. And so the, the follower of Jesus brings that life into those situations. Anywhere where people are marginalized in the society that, that we live in, anywhere where things aren't right, we are to bring the life of God into those situations. And that's why... We don't feel like it, but the New Testament says that we are the light of the world, that we are a royal priesthood, like we're royalty, that we are holy, that we're set apart, that we're to bring life into all of those situations. That's why, like, I love, like, we do different things here. Like, tons of people, many of you serve here and, and take part in things and do things and, and, and serve the kids and make coffee and, and all sorts of things and pray for people and hear all this. But you guys, this is the locker room. This is the locker room. Like, you've signed this multi-trillion dollar contract where actually everything that God has is yours by signing up on the team. So don't just hang out in the locker room. 
And so what God does is he works in our life and he says, now go bring life. Now go bring life. What's hard is, is that we, like Jonah, if we don't keep our hearts close to God, is that when we see where there's not life, we get offended. What's wrong with that person? What's wrong with those people? What's wrong with what's happening over there? Why are those guys doing that? Don't they get it? Those people are weird. They're stupid, right? We look at all these different things, and God's like, go bring life. That's you. You're a life giver. You're to bring the life of God into all situations. That's why, that's why we, um, that's, and you say, okay, what do I do that? Well, yes, it's partly speaking, but it's in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's why we train you and teach you to hear the voice of God. We have classes and we try and hear and do different things. Hear the voice of God, but then also we teach you to pray for other people. Okay? And also, too, we teach you that sometimes you just need to bake cookies, right? That it's not always just this hyper-spiritual, okay, oh, this thing. No, just give them cookies and smile. Bring life into all situations. So Jonah settled the matter, and we're going to see that. But what about you? What about you? And here's the thing. It's not about you deciding, okay, I'm going to go do it. I'm signed up. I'm going to go for it. No. You can go do those things and, and absolutely hate it. You can say, I'm going to bring life. And people are like, nope, you didn't bring life, okay? Because the relationship has to be there. As we've walked through this, like our title is Repentance and Revival, okay? I, that's very intentional. There's other themes in Jonah, but the focus here, Repentance and Revival, is very intentional. So as I'm walking through this, I'm looking through, God, what do I need to repent of? God, bring revival in me. I want to see it in the community. I want to see it in the people in our church. I want to see it in my neighbors. But God, revival in me. And one of the things that I've gone through is that, and I go through ebbs and flows of this, but like that I'm repenting of is that there's too much of I'm committed to let's go bring life. That's always the outflow of relationship. In other words, if I love bringing life, and that's my, all my focus, I'm going to get dry after a while. Because what I have to do is I have to love the Lord and receive from the Lord and just be his child. Just be his. And then out of relationship, then I can bring life. Then I can flow that into other people. That's what it's all about. And so for me, like, that's what I'm repenting of. I'm like, God, there's too much of that. There's too much loving, bringing life. I love bringing life. I love going to all places. But you know what, God? Here's the thing. I want to get back to just being yours, just being your son, just, just, just walking with you, receiving from you, just knowing you. And I, I think that hits home with some of, some of you as well. And so... Um, the next thing is, is we see surrender to God births thanksgiving. So let's read about Jonah's time in, in the fish. So verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. You've been there? <laughs> God's got you alone? And you pray different, don't you? You pray different, like, here I am, God. And I want us to pause real quick just in this moment. Um, and I want to do that. Um, I want 
and to encourage you, if, if, if that's your heart, we're just going to pause real quick, do business with God, and I want you to thank God for right where you're at. Okay, let's just pause. Just in the quiet of your heart, you, you pray. And just thank God right for where you're at and, and, and pray to him. Like right now, not change it, God, do it, God, but just thank you for where I'm at. Yeah, Lord, we, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are good and you work in our lives. Amen. So from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And in verse 2, he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And we're all saying, of course, you're in a whale. Of course you're going to pray, right? I mean, none of us have been in this bad of a situation. There's all kinds of puns I could say, right? Well, I've been in a whale of a time, right? But we're not going to do that. Um, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. That's the key thing, right? I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Pretty vivid, right? To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Glorious, right? Just, but here's what you notice. God is in control. God is in control. God's moving in the midst of this. So Jonah prays a, a thanksgiving psalm. And so just to nerd out a little bit as far as what we just read, um, what it is, what he's reading is a psalm of thanksgiving. So there's different types of psalms um, in the book of Psalms in, in, the, in the Old Testament. And if you, like you remember like a song from your teen years, it comes on the radio and you're like, yes, and you turn it up and some of the lyrics you're like, ooh, um, I, I don't know about that. But, but a song that just makes you feel alive or a song that makes you communicate, that's how I feel or that's where I'm at, or those kind of things. That's what the Psalms are like. You'll read the Psalms, and, you'll, and, and it will be an intimate way that God says, I'm with you, I see you, I hear you. And so there's these Thanksgiving Psalms. There's 12 that are exclusively, exclusively or partially individual Thanksgiving Psalms. Six are exclusively community Thanksgiving Psalms. But there's always five parts to Thanksgiving Psalms. And so here's the five parts, and you can look back at these later. These are on your notes and your bulletin. But there's always an introductory statement of appreciation for rescue, right? You see that with Jonah. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my cry. He answered me, okay? Um, and then description of the misery 
uh, rescued from, right? He shared, I was going down to the depths. The waves swirled around me. This is what I was rescued from. Description of the rescue and the appeal for rescue, right? And then a vow or testimonial to continue to show gratitude through future worship, right? He says, I will continue my vow. I will do this. I will do what I've said. I'll do this for salvation comes from the Lord. So Jonah was stating through his Thanksgiving worship or his psalm that he was grateful for the mercy that God had shown him. He was alive even though he didn't deserve to be, right? He was alive even though he didn't deserve to be. God would have been totally righteous in just letting him fall off. But again, God is relentless in helping him become who he's supposed to be. And I think that this somewhat had to do with Jonah's heir. Uh, A lack of gratitude can severely um, hinder and deter our lives. It, it, It hinders us from becoming the person that God desires us to be, and it deters us from being on that life-giving mission to other people. So when we're not grateful, I think that that's a key foothold for our hearts to become hard, for our hearts to be hard towards God and towards other people. So giving thanks to God can be a continuous flow, right? You would love to have that, right? To just be a grateful, thankful person, just like, man, I'm so thankful. Man, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And you'd love to be that person, but ultimately it needs to be a discipline which means that I'm, I'm just not going to, you know, be kind of cold and just like, well, if something comes up, I'll, I'll give thanks. But no, I'm going, to, I'm going to intentionally give thanks just as I pray. I'm going to give thanks for just anything I can think of. And I would, I would encourage you to try it if, you have, if that hasn't been a discipline for you before because it's pretty dang amazing. It's pretty amazing because as you do it, all the little naggy stuff that's going after you and all the stuff that isn't right, it fades away. Why? Because you're focusing back in on someone and something that's solid. And so that's what it does. And I think Jonah had gotten away from that. Some, some scriptures throughout the Bible that speak of this, Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, so this is speaking of people that are, are rejecting God. Uh, Paul is writing to the Romans, describing people that are just like, Hey, God, we're good on our own. We want nothing to do with you. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Let us come before him with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. <clears throat> and so just, just a few scriptures throughout, um, throughout the Bible that speak of this. Now, the last thing is, is surrendering to God is really surrendering to reality. Okay, because we're talking about surrender today. When you surrender to God, you're surrendering really to reality. And for Jonah, he experienced surrender. He surrendered and he experienced reality. He experienced grace. He experienced grace because mercy was that he didn't experience the results of his rebellion, which could have been death. That was mercy, right? I have tons of things that I'm like, Lord, thank you for showing me mercy because the results or the consequences of what I've done and all these things, thank you that they're not as severe as what they could have been. But then the grace is, is that not only were you jacked up, and I'm not going to give you the consequences of that, but now I'm going to bless you that has nothing to do with you, like has nothing 
it, it, there's no merit to it. There's nothing. I'm just going to pour out blessing. I'm just going to love you, and I'm going to just pour it upon you, and I'm going to give you goodness. That's grace, and that's what God does. Um, and so when we, when we experience God, when we surrender to him, in reality, we receive real love. Lasting, substantial, real love. That's what we get. And God needs to work in us so that we really receive it that way. And then we give real love. When we receive real love, we give real love. That's reality. Um, don't you love different when your heart is humble before God? Don't you react different to, to the people around you when you're humble towards God? And then you pass the baton to others, right? It's just like when you love somebody, when you forgive somebody, when you work in their life, when you love them the way God's loved you, you pass the baton. Because how does it feel when you hear from God? Like somebody speaks to you, they share something from God to you and they love you or they serve you or they pray for you, that sort of thing. I mean, you, like, what do you feel like? Well, I, I want to go tell somebody. I, I want to go give this to somebody else. I want to go share this with somebody else. So when, when you receive real love, give it to other people, you pass the baton. Just like Jonah, we, we soak in the real truth and then we splash it on to other people, right? Now this guy's got a job to do. We're going to look at revival, in repentance in a bigger context, like a whole city, hundreds of thousands of people next week. But Jonah's in this place of, of I'm going to surrender to God and I'm going to, I'm going to surrender to reality. And that's, that's going to make all the difference. But I want to pose, I want to pose a question to us because it's, it's not accusatory, but it's, it's to us. What, what if we surrendered our finances to God? You know, like, me, like, I'm stable around the pole. Nope, I'm good. I'm not sure I trust this. What if we surrender our friendships to God? Like, the, the, the things going on in our friendships. What if we surrender our marriages to God? Or our future marriages? Like, if you're one that, hey, I want to be married someday. You, you trust it. What if we surrender our kids to God? What, what, if we, what if we surrender, like, our goals and our dreams to God? And, and just, God, I, I just trust you. And here's what, here's the prayer that always seems to come when you do that is, God, I surrender this to you, I surrender this to you. All I need is you. And I've prayed that prayer in Thailand. I've prayed that prayer in Ensenada, Mexico. I've prayed that prayer in San Diego. I've prayed that prayer a few times in Kansas City. You know, I've prayed that prayer all over. And you know what? It's true. And it doesn't devalue people. It doesn't devalue the other things that we're surrendering to God. But at the end of the day, my core, my focus needs to be on the person of Jesus Christ. He actually spoke that. He says, you know, um, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you as well. He's not saying like, oh, this is the golden ticket. If I give my life to Jesus, then I, I get everything. No, it's that you are centered around what is real and lasting. And then out of that, these other things will benefit and receive grace and mercy from that person of Jesus. That's what happens is I'm going to make that person of Jesus first and foremost in my life. And that's why, like I said, okay, I'm repenting of, like, what am I walking through? I'm repenting of making, like, the, the act of giving life my passion. 
I'm going to continue to do it, but I'm repenting of that. And you guys, I was thinking last night, I remember I was 22 and um, lived, lived a block from the beach in North County, San Diego, and I, I, was, I was seeking after God. I, was in, I changed drastically. He told me to drop out of this school. I was accepted to this university and, and for the business school, and he's like, hey, I want you to drop out, go to this nine-month Bible program, do this thing. I've shared in different ways, but in the process of that, I was praying at this park, and it's overlooking just beautiful palm trees, and and it's, I don't know, half a mile from the beach. I'm up on this hill, and I'm looking. I had this vision, and, I, and, I, wrote, and, and I, I drew it down. I had this binder, and I took this pin. I just drew it on the inside of this binder, and, and there was a bunch of verses that God shared with me and stuff, but it was, there was this mountain and this path and making the path and valleys, and, and, and what I realized is it was representative of all the places I would serve. It was representative of like all the places that God would call me to. Because we've been in Colorado, we've been at the ocean, we've been, you know, in, in sorry, this was the valley. Um, uh, and so, so valleys aren't bad, but it, it was, this is the flatland. But it says, it, one of the verses says, I will raise up the low places, okay? And so it wasn't bad, but it was just all these things. And so God called me to that, but you know how I, I got to hear that? You know how I saw that? As I'm sitting there at this park and those things? It's because of this intimate relationship with him. That's never to become an idol. That's never to be a thing. And so whether it's your company, your career, your job, or your goals, your dreams, or I don't know. I mean, those can never be the main thing. The main thing is just Jesus, knowing him. And ministry and life flow out from those things. So what do we do with this? Last week, as we talked through this idea of repentance, I talked about the scripture of turning up the fallow ground of your hearts and, you know, you have to turn up the ground that's hard. Otherwise, the seed can't get in. You can't receive righteousness. You can't see, receive life. That's why when you talk to some people and you're sharing life and truth, whatever, but their hearts are hard because they can't receive. It has to be turned up more, right? And that's why when you're sharing love with people, you look for the people that the hearts are turned up. The soil is turned up. There's something, stuff can get in there. We talked about that last week, and I encourage you guys, turn up the fallow ground of your hearts this week, as far as the application of this, as far as repentance and revival, um, in, Revel in the book of Revelation, Jesus is walking John through, um, you know, or the angels walking John through this process, and, and he's hearing Jesus say certain things. And he says this, and he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. So what is, just somebody tell me, what kind of person is this talking about? Like, what does this describe? Is that a faithful person? The answer is yes. It's not a trick question. But just, right? This is a faithful person. This is a, a dedicated person. This is a person, I mean, look at what they're doing, right? Perseverance and, and working hard and, and, and going for it and, and, and all these things. But then he says this. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. I mean, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Like this person that is going, like they're all in going for the mission for all of it. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken 
the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So key part of this, you have forsaken the love you had at first. So Jesus is talking to his church and he's saying, look, you've persevered, you've gone after it, you're, you know, you've worked hard, you've suffered hardships, you've done all these things, but you've lost your love relationship with me. You're busy doing this religion and all this stuff, but where's the love for me? Where's the intimacy with me? Where's the closeness with me? Because in actuality, you guys, there's all kinds of blessings that are spoken in the New Testament that you get as a Christian, but it's all side issues. It's all the sideshow. Like you ever go to a, a concert where there's a bunch of different stages and stuff going on? You got the main stage, and, and then you got Uncle Buck and his banjo down over here. Okay? All the things, all the blessings, all the things Jesus can do for you, all that stuff is the sideshow. What you get when you surrender your life to Jesus is Jesus. You get him. And Jesus is the most amazing, loving, strong, powerful, dynamic, intelligent, kind, affectionate person that ever was and ever will be. He embodies all that God is. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And you say, what's your problem with Jesus? Like, you say, what's your problem, Jesus? I mean, look what I've done. Look at all these things. And he says, I don't, like, that's great, but I want you. And that's what's crazy, is that God wants me, and he wants you close enough to be uncomfortable. Beyond, like, beyond our comfort zones. He wants us that close. And now, some of you here are at the place where you need, like, to take the first step. It's like, all right, Jesus sounds amazing. I'm in. Like, I, I, I want Jesus. That's the first step. Maybe you haven't done that before. And that's a, that's, that's a good thing to do. But this is speaking to people that have done that at some point in their lives, but then, like, just stuff happened. Like they just got busy doing other things. Or they decided to follow Jesus, but it was always just kind of a rule. It's like, hey, I can, I can follow those rules. All right, that's what you do. You pray the prayer, you do this thing. And it, but there's never this intimacy. But, but notice that what it says is it says in verse 5, repent, so change directions, and do the things you did at first. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was a 15-year-old kid sitting up in a cabin up in the mountains on a snow ski trip. And I didn't have any religious language. I didn't have the right term for what happened or whatever. But I just knew that there was some dude playing a guitar at different times throughout the weekend, people reading the Bible and praying and doing things. I had no clue for all of the things that were going on. But I just know that at a point, there was an encouragement to... Give your life to Jesus and respond to him in a certain way. And I did that, and it was as if love itself just engulfed me. Now, as I read the Bible and people told me, it's like, well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God himself sharing his life with you. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. But then people said, well, yeah, and you got to watch out because some people use the Holy Spirit for this and do that, and you got to watch out for this thing or whatever, and then you got to do this thing and after that thing, and then there's this thing. 
That's what he's talking about. Is to be that kid, for me, on that mountain, just like, yeah, this is amazing. Just face to face with God. But we get all kind of tweaked out and do things. So, and I remember that time though too. It was, I remember opening the Bible for the first time and read, okay, what does that mean? And, and remember not knowing what it means. And people, you know, but there was just this hunger. This hunger for him and this life for him. I remember praying, the, you know, just pray, you know, I didn't know how to pray and what I, all these things. And it, it, just, there was just this hunger going after him. So that's what he's talking about. Repent and do the things that you did at first. We like to think we become more sophisticated when there's just the basic things, right? Like people like to think, well, you eat, but I dine. Okay, whatever. You've got to nourish yourself. So, you know, what should we do? Well, this week, spend some time with Jesus and do the things you did at first. Like, it's a good thing that none of you came by here last night. Because as I was preparing for, the, for this, it was kind of wild up here. There was kind of like, a, a, like a, a, a worship dance fest up in here. It was kind of crazy. Because God was moving on my heart as I was looking at this. And, and it was just, I kind of had worship music going. And, and, you know, I was in the office for a while and, and you know, just singing loud. And, 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 and there was just a freedom. And the Lord's like, yes. Yes. Stop being so reserved. Stop being so reserved. Give it all for me. So let's, we're going to have Nikki and the uh, band come up here um, and lead us in a, in a last song. Um, the key thing, I think, that has to do with, like, the former things. So if that's you, like, you've walked farther down the road and you're like, hey, I, I want to I be renewed. Like, I want to be revived. I, I, want, I want to be one that when God calls me to and when I see it, I want to be the giver of life to those that need life. I want to be a life giver. I want to be a light giver. I want to be a love giver. Like, I want to do that. And I want to have, be in the place that I can do that. Um, the key thing does have to do with the Holy Spirit. Um, because the Holy Spirit is the most personal that you can be with God. We get into trouble because we think that it has to do with style. Listen, like, you don't have to yell loud like me last night, you know, for, for God to hear you. That's not the Holy Spirit. You don't have to, you know, posture yourself in a certain way or do a certain thing for that. That's not the Holy Spirit. There's actually a prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah, and he's up against, and God's saying, like, go to this place and I'll speak to you. And, and this, this thing came, which you thought would be God, and this, this mighty this mighty thing came, and this thing came, and the earthquake shook and these things. But then it says, then there was just a small whisper, and that was God. So simply the Holy Spirit is God himself, his presence, and he wants to be close enough with you to be uncomfortable. And so, before we start, just do business with God a little bit. And again, I said this last week, the thing that's been nagging at you as I've been talking, that's it. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's pushing on. You're trying to control it, or yeah, but what if? So just take a minute and surrender. But while you guys are praying, just every, you know, if you're comfortable, close your eyes um, and pray. While we're doing that, for some of us this morning, you're like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. I want to get started. And so if that's you this morning, pray this prayer in your heart. And there's no magic in the prayer. It's the intent, it's the intent of your heart meeting God's heart. Because he's already done all of it for available for you. So dear God, I recognize my need for you. I recognize that I've lived my life my way and I want to go your way. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I don't totally understand it, but I believe it. God, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to know you. Just while we're praying, if that's you, just let your eyes meet mine. Just look up at me. I want to be able to pray for you after today. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Yep. Yeah. Just, just right where we're at, just sit right where you're at, and before we start singing and stuff, stand up, and just right where you're at, just hang out for a second. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We ask you to refresh and renew. God, we're hungry for you, God. We ask that you do whatever you need to do in our lives, God, that we might become the people you made us to be. We're tired of feasting upon things that don't last or nourish, God. And Lord, for those right now that feel condemned because they're like, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I just ask that it would just, you would just fill them right now with your spirit, God. Just let them sense your presence. Wrap your arms around them, God. And sense your love. We love you, Lord. Continue to work in us. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.